It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Everyone in a good mood? Maybe not Ari. Uh, Cofield and Company. Ari, we got a winner for the Mountain West Conference tickets. Okay, Eric is our winner. Again, Mountain West Conference tickets going out the next couple of weeks. And by Mountain West Conference, I mean Mountain West Conference tournament tickets. The 5th to the 11th, the women and the men, obviously Lady Rebels, are trying to make a run through the regular season, finish unbeaten, be the top seed, and get that auto bid. And then the men really have to bounce back here, fight down the stretch to get a better seed. But uh, all the good teams around the Mountain West Conference are going to be in town with the Rebels serving as a host, San Diego State and Boise. You got San Jose State making noise now, and obviously Utah State, pretty good team. And, well, you guys in Reno. Nevada's kicking booty. Steve Offer's doing a really good job. Justin Watkins is here. We'll get to the Big Four in just a second. Willie Ramirez is Ron in Reno on ESPN Reno here in Vegas on ESPN Las Vegas. What's up? Nothing much. Doing good. By the way, bold move. First of all, you never put your photos, you and Matt, on. Have you seen the billboards now, the new ones, Willie? Never put their photos because that was kind of the calling card. Like, it's not about us, you know, as opposed to the uh, kind of the Ric Flair attorneys around town, you know, limo driving, blah, blah, whatever else they're doing, right? Holding chalices. Yeah. Um, I look up on a sign. I see your photo and talk about bravery. It's it's the big lush beard photo. I didn't think you would go. Well, you um, did it. Is there an endorsement for the beard company? No. Yeah, well, we're working on that. Yeah, it could be if I if yeah. I finish off if I finish off the conversation. Yes, <laughs> yes, we had a conversation about ten days ago. We're working on things, but he yeah. doesn't need me. Yeah, he's putting his face out there, and it's the it's the big power beard. That's right. Well, you know, we did it for a couple of reasons. We we've gone over a decade of advertising and never put our our face on anything other than the website when you went to the website, but everything else was faceless advertising we liked it that way we thought we thought put the client first but um two things happened one uh there were some um imposters um for, you know <laughs> right, yeah. logo logo pin- gate <laughs> yeah pinching off of the battleborn brand and name um and so we thought it was important that people know who we are so that if you don't see me or matt when you come into a place then you're in the wrong place um, regardless what they say, you don't see us. We don't answer the phone. We don't talk to you. You're in the wrong place. Somebody else is trying to pinch our, our business. Number two, um, we've expanded our marketing a little bit. And, and some marketing consultants said that, um, that there is a trust factor that needs to be developed with the brand. And that has to do with y- your personality and your face. So we said, we give it a try six months. We're going to try it. We'll see what happens. Does Willie have a trustworthy face? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> You're just uh, trust me. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's not if you're trustworthy; it's your face. Yeah, it's just a yeah. Not a, what? Not your actual. Do you, look, do you look sneaky and well, underhanded? Well, you know, it's funny because I I walked into an establishment, um, not this one, but th- that we do a show and 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 I'm. <laughs> did, everyone, did everyone in there flinch? Secu- like, the security guard goes. I it was a, I was coming in. It was cold. Yeah. And I had a skull cap, yeah. right? A Nike skull cap, and then a hoodie up. Yeah. And I had my backpack, and I was headed to the set. And the security guy walks me and says, sir, can you take your hoodie down, please? Ooh. So I took it down. Ooh. I'm going down the escalator, and there's a girl coming up with a zip-up hoodie, and it's up. Yeah. Security guard at the bottom of the escalator. For There's one at the top, one at the bottom. So as I'm walking, I get off the escalator. I'm walking. I was like, I looked at my phone to see what time it was because I got to be there by 10 till. Otherwise, Kofi loses it. 
I turned around, went right back to security. I was like, let me ask you a question. The girl that just walked by you, and he went into it a full explanation, and I was, uh, what's the word? I was... Uh, you're satisfied with his explanation? No, 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 When you are... Um, Insulted. No, when somebody... Offended? When a person is... Uh, I'll think of the word by the end of it, but he, I was, I was centralized. I was, I can't think of the word when, when, when a minority is, yeah. I, I can't think of the My dang God. word. I can't think of the dang word. Uh, I, but I was, you were profiled, profiled. That's yeah. it. I was profiled. The guy, he was like, he was like, well, she probably didn't look this. I was like, oh, so you're profiling me. Huh? Of course. So, so I, so to answer to go back, Ramirez is being profiled. so going back, Here we go. I don't have a trustworthy face. No, come on! You're person. wearing a hoodie and a and a, a skull cap. Come on! Nobody looks trustworthy in a hoodie and you a skull cap. You've been, wearing, in, the, in you've been the, wearing the Battleborn injury lawyer uh, skull. Uh, I, I, I've been wearing wool the wool cap. Oh, that you got. You thank do you. Look, you I sent him a picture. Mean. You look yes. very mean. Yes, I sent him a picture. Incredibly mean. Uh, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to put a picture of me up at my cabin with my skull cap and hoodie on on a billboard either. Well, <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it just snowed yesterday. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, hold out. You know, I will say there's a lot of times I've gone through uh, uh, the airport security that I get when I had the beard on uh, big that I would get stopped for the random searches mm. fairly often. Right. Um, but I think uh, I'm, I'm happy with what came out for the billboards. I, you know, I got a smile on my face. Looks good. Do you have more of like a muscly shirt? Would you go with muscles on the board? Would you just carry a rifle? <laughs> what do the consultants say about that one? I mean, it, would court, it would probably court a certain audience. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a hunter. A I'm, an, I'm, I'm an outdoorsman. You know, um, it's it's so part you of wrestle. You're so yeah. much fit. Yeah, <laughs> not as fit as I used to be. <laughs> we, we did, if you recall, way back in the day, we did do a camo billboard. Do you remember that? We did a camo billboard where the Battleborn was in Hunter Orange. I have a camo. camo I have a camo Battleborn hat. That's yeah, very nice. Yeah. So we we have we have dabbled into that. That's our demographic. Those are our people. We like them. I like the camo hat. I try to throw yeah. people off. I'm, I not, like I'm the, not a camo guy, as yeah. you know. Not really an outdoorsman. I like the new beanie. It was cold in the studio the other day where we were, and I was wearing it throughout the show. Oh, it's warm, right? Those beanies are warm. It's nice because it's not itchy and scratchy yeah. either. On our domes, you know, we yeah. have to have nice. That's right. Yeah. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. So I like the Justin Watkins, you know, talking to a consultant. You're taking a chance here with the picture, the beard. When I put TikTok videos in the rundown, I'm not using a consultant. I'm, I'm really taking a risk because I've been mocked and chastised in the past. I thought this one was interesting. This one's it, got, good. It, it got me thinking, you know, we talk legal and lots of other stuff with Justin. And of course, Justin was a, uh, a public servant for a couple of years here in the state of Nevada. And I, I don't feel completely satisfied. I, I, I kind of take things pretty easy with, um, you know, flight snafus, but I, I've been hearing people got stuff from Southwest because of all the troubles. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my flights were jacked up going back and forth to Southern California. It wasn't that bad. Almost, I almost felt guilty if I was asking for something because people had it much worse. Was I supposed to get something? I, I saw this TikTok video and there, there's these, uh, folks who kind of fancy themselves as, uh, I don't know what the, the right word is, but they're 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 giving out information that maybe you don't know about. You but you want to watch them because they're going to give you the, the tricks yeah. of the trade. Right? Life hacks. Life hacks. So here's a woman talking about uh, flight cancellations. I want to see if there's anything to this. 
Hi, it looks like you bumped me from this flight I was supposed to be on. Yeah, we overbooked it. Basically, we sold more tickets than seats on the plane, and to our surprise, everyone showed up. But what can be done? We'll try to get you on the next flight in a few hours, but there's nothing else I can do. Sorry. Actually, I've read the terms. This is called involuntary denied boarding, and in this case, I'm eligible for compensation. Okay, how much money do you want? Well, it depends. When's the next flight you can get me on? It leaves in two and a half hours. According to the Department of Transportation, since the next flight can get me on results in over a two-hour delay, I'm entitled to four times the cost of the one-way fare. I paid $375 for the one-way fare, so that's $1,500. Ugh, fine. We'll get you your $1,500 and I'll book you on the next flight. Do I need to pay for the next flight you're booking me on? Nope, we're covering that in addition to the $1,500. All right. All right. I think I'm in. What do we got here? Come on so, now. So, so she's not wrong in limited circumstances. She's not telling the full story either, right? So the involuntary bumping is the flight is going to happen, and they overbooked the flight, and they're kicking you off the flight to make room for all the people that they booked. That's not what happened with Southwest, right? Southwest, all the flights were canceled. Right. So it wasn't an involuntary bumping of uh, or it's called involuntary denial of boarding. Um, and that's why there, there are entitlements to compensation. It varies depending on the delay. And she's right. After two hours, it's four times, but there is a max, 1550 bucks. So four times your price of ticket up into 1550 bucks, so long as it's an involuntary uh, denial of boarding for a flight that's going to happen due to overbooking. It doesn't have anything to do with, say, weight and balance on a small aircraft. That does not that does not apply. Mm. And if they're going to do that to you, this is this is the important part for the video. They actually have to give you a, a document that shows you your rights to the compensation and what your rights are under the condition. That's why you never see this. That's why they always ask for volunteers. They always offer a whole bunch of money so they don't have to do it involuntarily. Mm. It's voluntary at that point, and they have they can avoid all of this. So we probably need to uh, consult more on this about my exact details. Sure. Around Christmas. Yeah. Okay. The flight didn't happen though, right? I don't remember. Okay. Like I so filed it away. One of the <laughs> things, uh, I know the SO was complaining because we actually, uh, we did the early booking for the seats and I don't think she got the money back for that on a flight that got canceled. Hmm. So that could be a lawsuit. What? What's the What's the timeline on that? We wait like 10 years, we get like three, four million dollars back on the <laughs> right. thing. Right. That's exactly how it's going to work. <laughs> Well, we got him. you do have a contract, so your, your statute of limitations is six years. So we got plenty of time to talk about it. <laughs> well, the way I procrastinate, it could be uh, probably 20 years. So probably no money. Number three. Football time. So Patrick Mahomes did something and the Chiefs did something that uh, no other team has done in the past with the quarterback salaries rising. A big, you know, time, highly paid quarterback making the 30 plus million dollars. Hadn't won a Super Bowl. I think the biggest quarterback allotment overall payroll was 12 and a half percent this was about 17.1 percent what do you guys think is this the beginning of times where the high dollar quarterbacks are going to win a lot or was this a one-off and the Chiefs did an amazing job with a super high paid quarterback I mean I personally think it's the beginning of what we're going to see just because there's so many high paid quarterbacks I mean they're going to take up a bigger percentage and there's going to be more teams where the quarterback takes up a bigger percentage I mean it's got to be got to be close to what 10 teams right now in the league that have quarterbacks over 15 percent it's got to be close to that the eagles she almost achieved the dream the mm -hmm. dream is what seattle did with russell wilson when before he gets his big deal they have a good enough team kind of what the niners were trying to do with trey lance until everything fell apart 
injury-wise. But to your point, there are going to be so many quarterbacks making 15 to 23% of their roster that it's probably going to change roster building for a lot of teams. Yeah, it's just a numbers game. What do you think, Willie? Oh, I think that he that the precedent's been set, and I think we're definitely going to see that. That number is going to seventeen percent. Like when when I saw that all time high, I was like, "Wow, that's less than I thought it might have been for an all time high." Yeah, just I, it'd be, I, you, you don't think along those lines of how much a quarterback's actually taking of this. We don't look at it in well, those the, terms. The, the explosion's just, more about the last 10 years right where guys are no i get it plus up to 50 million dollars. right i just didn't you, you don't think in percentages you just think of salary cap this guy's making this this is the going rate okay what's the average cost bah, 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 bah. so when, I, when you tweeted or when you sent that on the rundown i was like wow 17 percent. Hmm. okay yeah i i think it's gonna raise i think it's gonna go higher number two so shane steichen played his college football here in the state of nevada at unlv he gets the colts job but I feel like most of the attention he got lasted about six hours. And we go right to the conclusion of the whole hiring process. Eric Bieniemy does not get a job again. He's the OC on a highly successful franchise. We just mentioned they just set a record, you know, winning a Super Bowl like no other organization has. And he still cannot get a job. So on the way back, Justin, we want to talk about the Brian Flores lawsuit. I have no idea if the enemy's part of it. Should he be part of it now? Because uh, this is, what, four years in this cycle where he hasn't gotten a head coaching job. And this time around, he didn't even get interviews. It's one thing to get snubbed when you get interviews. He didn't even get the interviews. It is Nevada Sports Talk Hour right here on ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Brought to you by Battleborn. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. I'm going to say this one more time. Eric Enemy does not call the plays. He does not call the plays. Andy Reid calls the plays. They're not over there switching for fun. Andy Reid calls every effing play the Chiefs have. Eric Bieniemy is the coordinator in the sense that he is the conduit for Reid Mahomes. He helps install the game plan during the week. He's very involved, but he ain't calling the plays. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Who's the voice of uh, one Matt V, who's a national NFL guy for fan-sided, but uh, Kansas City-based, and that was some audio from a while back when he was explaining that uh, Eric Bieniemy doesn't call the plays, will he? So where are we now with this? So Eric Bieniemy doesn't get a head coaching job. Shane Steichen just got one, and uh, Johnny Gannon got one from the Eagles. The goalpost seems to be moved where initially it was like, hey, he doesn't call the plays. Um, well, there's been a bunch of guys hired who didn't call plays, so where are we here? What's going on? It's just another it's another cycle of head coaching vacancies and hires in which the lead name and the lead topic is Eric Bieniemy and it falls right in line with the lack of minorities getting head coaching jobs. Now, I understand the narrative and I understand that there is an issue there in the NFL when it comes to lack of Blackhead coaches, end of story. Let's just drop the minorities to get it cut right to it. Lack of blackhead coaches and 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 their forward uh you know uh, management as well. The question that I have be with uh, this being as prominent as it is, this issue, this topic, and lawsuits in place, 
with Eric Bieniemy being the annual conversation, is there something that we don't know? Is there an underlying tone or storyline with this guy? Um, I heard today someone talking on on radio, national radio. You know, well, he doesn't interview well. I don't know if that's it. I, is there a personality or a character flaw? You brought up Monday that Andy Reid is going. I hope he gets to go somewhere else to coach and prove himself, whatever it may be, in whatever role to do his thing. He said, run the show. Run the show. Is there something with him that people know, personality, I don't know. Is it beyond, or, I mean, is it point blank, well, he's black, so he's not getting an opportunity? It, It just seems too easy to say with everything that's going on, it's way too, it seems way too blatant to me. I'm not, and I'm not disregarding the fact that there is an issue and there is a problem and they need to address that. And there are deserving black head coaches. I'm just saying when this, it's the same person over and over, I want to know if there's an underlying tone. And if there is, then let's get it out there. Yeah. I mean, I think we can have a couple things be true at the same time. One that the NFL has a issue with the number of black head coaches. Well, actually, a couple of different things being true at the same time. Two, that seemingly um, unqualified white coaches have been given opportunities to prove themselves ahead of black coaches that maybe had the resume to justify them getting a chance. And at the same time, those two things could be true at the same time that maybe Eric Bieniemy's just not head coaching material in the eyes of the 17 different organizations that have interviewed him. Um, I, I don't know anything about him. I, I, I don't know anything about him. But, okay, so you told me he doesn't call plays. Maybe they don't think that he presents well to the media. Maybe they don't think he, that he um, handles conflict well. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he really doesn't interview well. I don't know. But I, I, I'm a little bit with, with Willie on this one that um, I would think with the amount of attention that he gets, if – if he was borderline um, for getting one of the jobs, that there would be an effort to get him that job. But I, I think he's like, based on what's happening and how many interviews he's had, and that he's gotten passed over not for other black coaches, right? Not always passed over for a white coach. That he's not close on these things. I don't think he's close. Andy Reid could help the whole situation. Let him call plays. Well, that's the other thing is, is maybe the insider knowledge is like, hey, the the Kansas City offense looks like the Philadelphia offense under Andy Reid. This is Andy Reid's offense. He's mm-hmm. calling these things. So, like, offensive coordinator right. ceremonial. If Eric Bieniemy is deserving of being a head coach and Andy Reid is saying, I hope he gets it. Then why hasn't he already, as Steve just said, if, mm-hmm. if he's that good, yeah. why why hasn't he already well, the, the been given? Well, the would be Andy Reid is the better offensive coordinator, and he can be the head coach and the OC. He, he's he's one of the rare guys who's actually capable of doing it. We don't know if Josh McDaniels is. We know Nate uh, Nate Hackett wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. There are guys who who can't do it, who can't be a head coach and, and, and run the defense. I don't think Brandon Staley can do it. Um, my question is, with the Brian Flores lawsuit out there, if you were the attorney for Eric Bieniemy. I mean, you've got a good job. You just haven't had a head coaching opportunity officially offered. Would you join in? Would you tell your guy, hey, you know what, Eric, why don't you jump on this? Oh, there's no way that I would give any sort of 
legal recommendation based on somebody's personal life like that. That is, that's gotta be, I, my job as the attorney is to tell him what his options are and what that looks like if he were to make choice A, B or C. And so with something like this that can affect the rest of his career and his livelihood and, and his emotional financial uh, security, I'm just here to give you your options. Yeah, do I think we have something to go on? Sure. Can we join in with Brian Flores? Yeah. Do you have a as good of a case? It's different, right? Because the Dolphins organization really bungled up a lot of stuff that Flores was able to put in the lawsuit that maybe you're not able to put in the lawsuit because you've worked for some good organizations who, who, who didn't try to break the rules and weren't unethical. Um, so it's different. But yeah, could you make a claim? Yes, you could. Um, will there be backlash? For sure there will. You know, are you going to receive crazy emails and death threats and and is it going to be protract, protracted out litigation for years? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, will it affect your ability to move up and, and maybe you won't get a head coaching job because you did it? Yes, all of those things are real. But at this point, he might be in the camp of now I'm not getting the interviews. I'm 0 for 17. I don't really have anything to lose. Let's do it. And then if I'm his attorney, I say, okay, great. I've given you, you have now made it an educated decision so that you're not surprised with what's about to happen. Let's do it. Switching topics. Uh, Justin Watkins with us, our legal insider here on ESPN Las Vegas, also a former public servant. You can give the offices in Reno, Henderson, or Vegas a call at 766-1400. Uh, headline in the paper, Lombardo doesn't rule out public funding for the A's. Right. Where are we here? Uh, they seem to rule it out in a statement last week and then quickly bounce back within a half an hour and then uh, yeah, cross that I mean, out. And now he's – I mean, this is what you do. You, he shouldn't have ruled it out. And he said it. Like, we haven't even negotiated yet, or it's very early. Right. So, I mean, I, I think his stance now from, from the initial, I'll call it clarification, has been pretty consistent, which is he's not going to raise taxes to fund anything um, with public dollars. Okay. Like, I think that that's – you're going to find 90% of the public servants on your side and 90% of the public here, maybe not 90, that's, that's high, but in the 60s, percent of the public saying, yes, we agree, don't raise our taxes to bring in a baseball team or a basketball team. Will you now, redirect funds? Well, th that can, can look a lot of different ways. Like, would we, you know, would Clark County give over some land, you know, free and clear or at a discount? Well, technically that's giving funds. But the land may not be all that viable for anything else and would really appreciate all the land and taxes you gained around it. Is it a net positive for us as citizens on the taxable income if we were to make that sort of investment? I'm here to hear that, you know, like that that's that's being a good steward of the public funds and the public lands and public property. But. But if it's if it's along the ways of, OK, we'll bring you in and it's all tax breaks. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to do anything um, and you're just going to walk free and clear. Well, like I'm not in favor of that, but we do these kinds of things all the time to solicit diverse business groups to the state of Nevada. Tesla is an excellent example. And now Tesla's doubling down in Nevada, in northern Nevada, and their semi truck plant is going to be built. In, in and around Northern Nevada, just outside of Reno. And so they're gonna invest another $3 billion and they have all kinds of tax incentives, tons of them to bring them here in the first place. So I, I'm, I'm here for that, I'm okay with that. 
depending on what it looks like. And I, and I like what Lombardo said today. Like we haven't even begun to start talking about what types of things um, they would be looking for and what types of things we can offer. So I think that's the right approach. When you see a public funded project like Allegiant, right? Mm -hmm. And it's on, they say, well, it's on the room tax, so it's not affecting. But realistically, there are people that take staycations. There are people like us that take guests down to, so we're getting taxed on that. Could they, when the loan's paid off and it, and it does it, what it's supposed to do, could they, for the locals, for Nevadans, for those that are getting, could they say, okay, you know what, on your house tax or on your DMV car registration, could they give a break once this loan is paid off to give back to the locals? Oh my gosh, you know that's not going to happen. But here's here's the thing, like, I I I will not give an inch on the argument that the room tax is not taxing us because we only have certain available bandwidth of things that we can tax to fund our government surf services. It's sales tax, income tax, property tax, room tax. All in my opinion, and I've said this a number of times on this show, we live in the adult playground for the rest of the world. And if we have to live in and around the things that could cause our families harm so that you can all have enjoyment and enjoy yourselves here, then the tourists should pay for all of our government services. We should not have any part in, in this. We shouldn't have property taxes. We shouldn't have sales taxes that, that affect locals. That's very difficult to, to do, but sales tax does catch the tourists. Um, and, and all of that should be there. But when you say the room tax isn't paid by us, number one, like you said, that's not exactly true. It is paid by us. And number two, uh, you know, we have less access to other taxable revenue when you take that away. Justin Watkins getting fired up. We got one more block with him. We'll get into an interesting case going on in the courts with the NCAA. 766-1400 is the number here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. They're letting us use their studios, the uh, beautiful Battleborn Broadcast Center. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, Justin, let's get into a story that has you uh, excited because this battle between the NCAA and the athletes over amateurism is hit the courts. And uh, today, what was happening? Yeah, so um, athletes have sued the NCAA, um, and we're we're in the Third Circuit uh, District Court of Appeals um, on a NCAA motion to dismiss. So just so you know, this isn't about like winning the case. This is just about whether or not the plaintiffs get to continue forward. It was in a, a three-panel review, so it's not the full Third Circuit Court of Appeals. It's just uh, their um, panel for review, which is only three members. Uh, and the question is whether or not athletes, student athletes should be paid minimum wage and categorized as employees. And the, it was very interesting. The questioning from the bench to the NCA attorney was quite telling, I think, as to where they're at. I mean, in fact, one judge, I, I watched it. One judge specifically said, how are they not employees? Uh, you know, explain that to me. So he he was he's already there, um, and it's it's really interesting to hear their analysis of it and where all the judges went with it is, you have so much control over exactly how they must behave and act that you cannot claim 
they're independent contractors, volunteers, what have you. They are employees because from the moment they wake up until the moment they go to sleep, they are doing exactly what you're telling them they have to do. They have to go to school between these hours. You only provide them with a certain number of, um, in a lot of instances, uh, majors that are available. You can't take these other majors that conflict um, when they eat, where they eat, uh, when they train, where they train, what they wear, where they go, uh, when they travel, how they how they execute their sport that they're playing uh, through coaching, that this type of control only happens in the real world in an employee-employer relationship. Um, and so I think you're going to allow, you're going to see that the the plaintiffs are allowed to move forward with their with their case. I don't think they're going to dismiss this. Does this open the door and set precedent though beyond athletes because there are other people that are going to be attending that are on scholarship and maybe held to a certain standards that they have to report in certain instances or beyond beyond maybe activities, cheerleading team, the dance or the national championship dance team. Um Broad, broadcast journalism, the law school. If you're held to a standard and you're on scholarship, you're then you're being told in a sense, you just got the thing, going to study hall, going this. Does it sort of open a door where maybe other students could say, find a loophole to say, hey, I'm an employee too, because I'm being told what to do. It would be interesting. I, I think some of those are, are really far-fetched, but some of them are not. Like uh, the one that comes to mind for me would be like a band member marching band you know i'm on scholarship you dictate to me that i have to take all these music courses i have to you know practice at these times i have to go to these events i have to play in this way i have to play this music maybe there law students no for sure not cheerleaders probably yes i would i would say that they're probably even in like student athlete groupings uh, under certain circumstances um but yes it's going to open up an argument for some people to try to make the claim the reality is, is most of all other and the and the court made this point. All other students that are on on campus, when they're asked to do something, they're paid for it. When they work at the cafeteria, they're paid for it. When they work at the library, they're paid for it. So if you haven't worked at the game, pay for it. Justin, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Always fighting for the athletes. That's right. And we got to get into another discussion down the road about making things fair in the state of Nevada for both of the schools when it comes to uh, NIL and getting all of us to the freaking Power Five table, but topic for another day. Uh, speaking of, though, Mountain West Conference Tournament is going to be landing here in Vegas March 5th to the 11th. Thomas and Mac, you can grab your tickets at themw.com slash 2023. Ari's got a pair of tickets to go check out one of the sessions. Caller 7 364 Zero, zero is the number. And speaking of that, we're going to talk some uh, MWC hoops with uh, one of the deans on the writing side, Jeff Grammer. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling towards 5 o'clock. Willie's here, Cofield. Let's bring in Jeff Grammer, a lot of Mountain West Conference tournament basketball. I keep saying tournament. Mountain West Conference. I'm already thinking about the tournament. We just gave away tickets. But Jeff is in with us. Talk a little MWC hoops. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Let's talk uh, Let's talk MWC hoops in that first day that uh, maybe the team I cover and the team there in Vegas will be playing in maybe. My Lord. My Lord. What has happened? Uh, you know, here I've been discussing for weeks, you know, even though the Runner Rebels were sputtering a bit, hey, the fifth slot is still open, and especially because, you know, the Lobos were having some troubles. Like, hey, you win down the stretch, you can be the five. And then all of a sudden we look up after last night and we're like, wait, San Jose State is now the five? 
I mean, this is wacky. Yeah, right? This is wacky. I mean, so, uh, look, obviously, you, uh, so many kudos to, to Tim Miles and what he's got going on there, right? And, and from yeah, he's beat UNLV twice now, right? So, I mean, he, he's, he's not just winning. He's, like, winning important games. Like, he's look, good for him and good for San Jose State, but there there's no reason – um, as good as the San Jose State story is, there's just no reason that even a month ago um, there would have been any reason to think that they would be looking at a potential first round, you know, buy in the Mountain West tournament because UNLV and New Mexico are two teams, and especially you know, if we're just talking a month ago, New Mexico was still looking just fine a month ago. Um, you know, started ten and zero, started fourteen and zero, and yeah, you can question the the schedule and all that kind of stuff, but. Like they they looked good while they were doing it for the most part, right? Like I don't think they looked bad and faked their way to the ten and zero and fourteen and zero these two teams, but man, they looked good a month ago. They they certainly neither one of them look all that good right now. No, and I thought for both, you know, ten eleven wins in the conference wasn't outrageous. I I, I kept saying over and over uh, here for UNLV, like you know, fourteen wins in this conference is nearly impossible. You have to be really good. So what exactly? I know House is hurt, but what exactly has happened the last three weeks with the Lobos? Yeah, I mean, I first of all, I I do, you know, the, the, none of this is excuse making, excuse making because they are free falling. Like they they've hit they've hit a wall and they're they're plummeting. But um, for a little bit of context and perspective, like I would say, the last two games that they've played without Jalen House are really the only two losses that that are just real head scratchers. Obviously, losing at Air Force it can happen, but like there's no reason this global team should be losing that game to Air Force. And then losing at home to Wyoming is the, is the worst loss probably um, of any Mountain West team this whole season. Of course, I think the Lobos probably also have the best win, the, the road game win at St. Mary's, the non-conference that ended the 23-game uh, home winning streak for St. Mary's. They also have the best in-conference win when they ended San Diego State's 16-game home win streak. So, like, the Lobos' A game is still really good, but they also then – now hold the, the worst loss in, in the entire conference, and that's a, a loss in the pit to Wyoming. So those two last, these last two losses for New Mexico were without Jalen House, but they were obviously on a downward trend before that. And I, I just think a lot of it has to do with defense. Um, they, they haven't been defending well. They, they finished, I, I think it was last year, 243rd is what they finished in Ken Palm in defensive efficiency. They finished 243rd. And this year, they're so much better in defense. About two or three weeks ago, they were as high as, I think, 60th in the country in defense. And the last, I'd say, four games, they're on a four-game skid right now. So I'd say about the last four or five games, their defense has been awful. They're, they're back down to around 100, I think it is now, in defense. So obviously, the defense is the big part. But what they've always been able to fall back on last year and this year is when you have two guards like that, you could at least get into a shootout with the team and, and take your chances out scoring somebody and they haven't really been able to do that. I, I do think that the the game film isn't just one season old; it's a season and a half old now. That people realize there's no shooter on this team. Um, there's KJ Jenkins off the bench as their only shooter. Mashburn and House are great scorers, but not really good, great shooters. So they just defenses are just collapsing like crazy. Um, it's three, four guys in the paint, and against the Lobos team, the two guards are getting into the paint all the time to score and kind of generate their offense. Then they have two big guys who are great at the rim. Well, you kind of take that away by having three, four defenders every possession just with the foot in the paint. Um, the Lobos' offense just isn't as good anymore. They're not going to win a whole lot of shootouts anymore. So you better either defend at least a little bit for the Lobos or get back to being able to score you know, 85, 90 points a game if you want to win. And they're just not there right now. 
New Mexico now six and seven in the conference and the rest of the way, not easy at San Jose state at Boise home, San Diego state, uh, Fresno, and then finish at Colorado state. So, I mean, what's the deal with house? Is he, is he coming back soon? Also the, the house thing to me is weird because he, he did hurt it at the end of the Nevada game last Tuesday. Um, he, 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 a little pop in the hamstring kind of thing. I, I say pop. I shouldn't even say that because usually when it's a pop, it's, it's even more. It was kind of a strain. It wasn't something that they even thought he was going to miss last Friday's game at Air Force. He, he made the road trip to Air Force. He, he went through the shoot around that day, and um, the, you know, and well, look, you're 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 a radio guy, so you sometimes the ra- the radio guy here, Robert Portman, he posted a video from their shoot around that morning. I wasn't at the shoot around and. In um, at Air Force last week, but on the little video he posted of of just you know thirty seconds of hey we've got to shoot around including arena today and Jalen House is there warming up he's, he's going through drills just like everybody else so even last Friday he was good enough to go through shoot around and they decided after the shoot around okay it's just it's a little tight it's it's not good enough it was close but you know we're at Air Force maybe we can have him rest it here so then when they lost at Air Force, I was like, there's no way they're not playing him at Wyoming if he's anywhere close. And then I show up to the pit last night talking to everybody. He's on the court, warmed up. He suited up last night, and then he just didn't play. He was available but didn't play um, because uh, they said after the warm-ups, the pregame warm-ups where everybody's on the floor, um, they said it just didn't feel right, I guess, and so he didn't play. But uh, he's obviously really close, and if you're suiting up and available – and you're not in last night's game, just for even a few minutes. Like it just seems kind of weird to me that he, he seems to be so close on an injury that nobody thought was even that that important or that big a deal until last Friday night, right at game time. So I don't know. I, I think he'll be available on Friday night. I don't think the Lobos ever expected Friday night in San Jose State to be playing for um, <laughs> from a game behind to play for a bye, you know, in the in the conference tournament. Jeff Grammer, Albuquerque Journal, up on Cofield and company. And I'm sure adding insult to the recent injury is the fact, and believe me, it's the same feeling uh, here in Vegas, that Steve Alford is the coach of the year in the Mountain West Conference. Nevada is, I mean, they're killing it. And it's not like he had an easy path here. He lost a lot from last year's team, and they've just pulled it together, and they're really well coached, and they play hard. What's kind of weird to me is, is, first of all, there's no question Steve right now is the the coach of the year in, in the conference. But you know, the coach of the year every year, every year comes down to like, was it just a dominant team, or was it the team that just outpaced expectations? Well, Nevada's right there in both conversations. So Steve is the coach of the year, but in terms of like doing better than you expected, part of the problem is he did such a horrible job last year. Nevada was such a train wreck last year that he dropped the bar of expectation for that program so far, <laughs> yeah. so far down that like we're we're blown away by how good they are this year based on expectations. That he was also a part of setting up, so like that—that's one kind of reminder that I, I sometimes have to to remind myself of. Like what he's doing this year is, is pretty darn impressive, but it's only because he had three guys last year that all left the program that were expected to be maybe a league champion last year. Um, I think they were preseason third, but last year going into the year, it was three teams all had a chance at winning the league title, and, and Nevada was absolutely right there, and they ended up being an awful team. So um, I, I I'm very impressed with Nevada right now. And it's with a whole new look um, than they had a year ago. So I'm impressed with Nevada, but I do have to remind myself it's because they were so bad last year. I'm glad Jeff came in and said, yeah, let's talk some Mountain West Conference basketball. Let's talk basketball. Well, Jeff, sorry, my friend. In your state, we can never just talk basketball or just sports. Going on? There, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> this is your alma mater, right? New Mexico State. And I mean, it is. 
it, it can't get much worse than what happened with the fight at the football game and then a shooting and someone dies. And I'm not saying this incident is worse, but it's, it's very jarring. Uh, New Mexico State canceled their basketball season. So what the heck happened? Yeah, the, obviously the, the backdrop is, you know, starting back in October, the October 15th, UNM, NMSU football game in Las Cruces, big brawl. Like, this isn't just a fight. It's on video. People that can see it on social media. This isn't just a, a couple punches thrown. This is multiple people involved in the big brawl, um, and it was multiple Aggie basketball players involved. And uh, nothing, at least publicly, was really done. A month later, one of the guys who was seen in this video just getting pummeled by these basketball players had been plotting at UNM. He's a UNM student, not an athlete, not a Lobo basketball player, football player, nothing. Uh, but he is a Lobo student. It's sort of been plotting his revenge for a month. Uh, November 19th, the Lobos and Aggies are supposed to play in basketball. And uh, they find a way, this guy who'd been beaten up a month earlier, finds a way to, to sort of get back at Mike Peak, one of the Aggie basketball players. They do so by getting him to, Mike Peak's trying to hook up with a 17-year-old student at UNM. 3 a.m., sneaks out of his hotel room, goes over to hook up with this girl. Guns are pulled. He has his own gun there. Ends up shooting and killing the UNM student would pull the gun on him, and it's just a big mess. That's the shooting. That's the backdrop to the other incidents and uh, the handling of all that and other three other Aggie basketball players on the scene to take the gun away from the shooting scene. Well, before all that happened, apparently back since August, there had been some hazing going on uh, on the basketball team. A freshman basketball player was being hazed by three older players, and basically as of last week, as recently as last Monday, there was an incident where he – he claims that the the three instigators of the the uh, the abuse, the hazing, uh, pulled down his pants in the locker room and, and were doing things to him that um, you know nobody obviously was well, certainly criminal an act after pulling down someone's pants. And they were at that point, word got out to I think the player, the victim's um, family, and they decided we better take this to police, and they did on Friday when they filed the police report. As of that night, by the by the end of that day, the school said that's enough. Like I don't know what's going on here, but let's we're shutting down this game. They're supposed to play the next day against Cal Baptist. They were already in Riverside, California at the time, and uh, they brought them home instead of playing that Saturday night game. And by kickoff of the Super Bowl on Sunday, they were releasing the police report to media that had all the details, and they said we're the season's done now. Um, so that's where we're at. Is, is a player accused three older players of hazing? Um, to the extent of sex, criminal sexual contact is the charge that's listed on the police report. And says the other play, you know, is in the locker room mostly. It was on road trips sometimes too. And, and that other players saw it and had and knew it was happening. Um, the question still remains, you know, how much did coaches know or should they have known is sort of maybe what the school is taking the approach right now. It doesn't even matter if they were directly told it was happening. This is happening in your locker room all season long. You should have known in the, the culture around the program is toxic enough where Greg Heyer got fired today um, with cause, and uh, or yesterday rather, and um, got fired yesterday with cause. So they don't plan on paying him anything. He had a five-year contract, made it about eight months through, nine months through that contract. So um, as of right now, Greg Heyer is fired for a culmination, in my mind, of all those things, not just the hazing. And uh, the NMSU Aggies are probably going to clean house with the entire coaching staff gone, entire new, new roster and all that. So... That's where we're at with that. What a mess. What a mess. Terrible stuff all year long around New Mexico State. Uh, Jeff, we appreciate a couple minutes, and we'll, uh, we'll see you here in 
less than what about three weeks for the Mountain West Conference tournament should be fun. Do you think uh, New Mexico is going to travel well, or is you know the crowd cut down because of the the recent struggles? No, I think they're going to travel well because it was just two weeks ago when they were still was it when they lost that double overtime game in Reno. They were a ranked team. That was only two three weeks ago. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, pre-purchasing of some um, the old Pitt West days <laughs> when half of Albuquerque heads that way. So. Well, good. the the league The league needs it. All right, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. There he is, Jeff Grammer, Albuquerque Journal. Make sure you follow him for more details on this crazy New Mexico State story. We're going to turn back to the NFL on the way back. We're going to try to track down Dean Blandino, who we just had on last week. But guess what? As an officiating expert and working with the XFL, we have plenty to talk about. My lord, the Super Bowl at the end of the game. People still crying and moaning about that one. This hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400.